All right, so that said, we're going to be in the Bible this morning, believe it or not, in uh, the book of uh, uh, Matthew. We're going to start there. We were there last week. If you missed the message last week, uh, I'd love you to watch it online. Um, it's a foundational message about can we trust the Bible? Because there's a reason we did that, the wisdom of Jesus on the Bible, because it, it, we've, we as believers have chosen to anchor our faith, not in the whims and the feelings and the tides of culture, but in the anchored in the scriptures that sometimes makes us feel like we're dinosaurs. I'm going to feel like that this morning uh, for some of you, uh, but I'm not trying to be cutting edge. I'm not trying to be relevant even. I want to be biblical because biblical is always relevant. The name of Jesus never goes out of vogue. It's like, you know, well, some churches would never sing that song. It's too in your face. And, but it's all we've got. And if you take that from us, what do we have? And so we're not a social club. We're not a, you know. And so this morning, it'll be one of the most challenging messages for me to give. Uh, and I want to be tender with it. I just say that, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it, 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 there'll be enough in here. It's kind of like back when we were doing the political thing. There was enough in there to offend you, whether you're a Republican, a liberal, or a Democrat, a uh, libertarian. I mean, I, I tried to be an equal opportunity offender. Uh, and so, and I, I, I think I accomplished that. I had people mad at me that wanted to wear masks, and I had people mad at me that didn't want to wear masks. And I thought, I won. I won in that. That was a good, I lost people over both, you know? And it's like, that's strange to me. People left, oh, you're not being enough on the mask. And then I had people, you're wearing the mark of the beast and the mask. And I'm like, okay, we lost them on both sides. I must be doing pretty good here. I, I, I offended on both sides. So this morning, is, it's, it, I'm, I'm not preaching. I know some degree I'm preaching to the choir, so it's an easier uh, audience to speak this to than if you're on a college campus or in some churches that are around today. I'm going to talk about the wisdom of Jesus on sexuality. And so what, is, what does Jesus have to say, feel, or believe? And again, I get it that the world doesn't build their life on what I'm going to teach. And, and, and I care about that, but I care more about us to begin with. It, 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 again, it's not my job to, to spank other people's children. Uh, you know, it was my job to rear my own kids. And so I, I'm focused first at believers having a, a, that, 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 that we'll build our lives in a way that pleases God. And, and, and again, watching our, our tone and our attitudes about what we're against is as important as what it is that we would be in opposition to. So let's start with, we're going to go back to Matthew 19. We looked at this last week. We just looked at it as an example that Jesus believed the Bible, that he believed in creation. But let's pick up 19, the Pharisees confront Jesus in verse 3. They say to him, to test him. It's always the context is, is, is crucial to get why he responds the way he does. They test him. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? For any and every reason. There were two schools in that day in the Jewish community. There were those in this one rabbinical school that if your wife burned the bread, you could divorce her. Now, in both schools, the woman was never allowed to divorce her husband. So it's not about fair in their, their, their world. The other school was you only divorced if there was adultery. That, that one of the partners had 
violated the relationship by sleeping with another woman. So in this context, Jesus is, before he gets into answering the divorce question, before he gets into sexuality, before he gets, he's going to lay a foundation. And if you don't get the foundation, then you're going to talk about issues without substance. And so we want some substance. So the Lord says to them, uh, he reminds them, he says, haven't you read your Bible? Now remember, it, 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 it's scripture, uh, and, and, and they have read it, but he's going to remind them. Haven't you read, replied uh, the Lord, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And for this reason, because they're man and woman, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Sin. Okay? The, 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 the source of division is always rooted in sin. But it was not that way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, and marries another woman, commits adultery. Now, I, I, I know there's a lot of tension just on reading that in the room, because probably half of you have been there, okay, to some degree. We're going to tackle that next week. You're like, oh, all right, we're going to tackle that next week. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between husband and wife, why get married? If it's that hard, and you've got to be that faithful, and you've got to be that committed. And Jesus said, well, everyone can't receive not getting married. He said, not everyone, verse 11, can accept that. Some can. He said, and he's going to give three categories of those that have, uh, they were called eunuchs. Uh, category one in verse 12, there are some that are eunuchs because they were born that way. They don't have uh, the, the apparatus for marriage or they don't have the appetite for marriage. There are some people, I think that leads many people into uh, perversion is that because they're, they're, they're happy not to be with the opposite sex, that there's not a, a, a need for that. So they think, therefore, I should be with the same sex. And so that there's a, a, an open door. I'm not saying that for everybody, and it's complicated, but I am saying that there are some that just don't, are born without the desire for marriage. That, they're, they're, that doesn't mean they don't get married and they just sleep around. That's what's about. I'm not into marriage. And they're just sleeping around. That's not what Jesus is advocating. These are people that are, keep themselves as celibate, they're, they're, whether they're uh, uh, heterosexual or homosexual. Uh, you, you're, you're called to celibacy if you're going to walk with Jesus and not be married. And so the second category are people that have had things done to them in, in horrible ways. Uh, Jesus said that, that they're made that way by men. Back then, they would castrate men that were, they were going to put in charge of the females, the harem. And so they would be safe. And it was forced upon them. Uh, it, it was a horrible thing. And then there's a third category. There's those that say because of the kingdom of heaven, uh, they renounce marriage. And, and it doesn't make them more spiritual. It just means there are people that have never married, 
John Stott is a good example, Anglican leader. I've read many of his books. Great author. He just never felt called to be married. He gave that up. Jesus never was married, unless you're going to go by your theology built on Daniel Brown and the Da Vinci Code, you know, and, and there's a theologian to follow there, okay? Let's don't go by the Bible. Let's go by the Da Vinci Code. No, Jesus never married. Uh, so he wasn't less than a man. He was an all man. So now, what I want to talk to you about this morning is the, the beginnings of creation. Let's, you, you go back to the beginning it's kind of like re- when all else fails, read the instructions. You know, I got a pile of parts left. I thought about the fact when we put up that playground out there, all the men, the, and we had a contractor that's smart, could build a house, and we had, but they'd never build a playground. We ended up calling a guy in the church that had a bucket lift to try to hoist it. Some of you, anybody here that was there that day, we almost killed people that day because it was, it was so jinky the way we made it. We tried to set the cap on it. It was swaying. I mean, it was literally somebody's going to die here. And so we called someone that builds those things and puts them together, and he had instructions, and he went by those. We just thought men like, oh, those big poles go in first, and guys just like to figure it out. Well, how's that working for you? You almost killed people, Jamie. Let's start over. And the same is with some of you in relationships. You've been trying to put them together because you think you know. And, and what it's left is a trail of brokenness. And so let's go back to Genesis. When all else fails, let's read the directions. Now, again, this morning, I'm not going to focus as much on marriage as though I will lay a foundation for it, but I want to lay a foundation for human sexuality. Because when people ask the question is, is, is God, what does God feel about uh, homosexuals? What does God feel about gay, lesbian, transsexual, bisexual, and the LGBTQ? Blue, blue, blue. What does he think? And again, I, I, I take it that those, it's serious to people in every one of those categories, but it, it, and it's comp- the world has so complicated everything in, in, the, in the sense that they've, they, when, when, you, when you cut the rope from the anchor to boundaries and, and you're, you're left with no boundaries, you're left to your own uh, surmising, you're left to your own feelings, you're left to your culture, you're left to opinions, you're left to the, 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 I mean, there are people that don't come to this church, not because they're uh, homosexual or gay or lesbian, but they don't think that we are welcoming enough to those that are in that community. And we work hard at being a, a radical, welcoming church. And I, would, I know we have people among us, and I know we have people watching that have homosexual lifestyles. I know that. And, and I'm happy if they feel welcome here. I, I don't want a church that is a, a, but that's, someone feeling welcome is not equal to someone feeling affirmed. See, for some people, welcoming isn't enough you have to affirm someone's choices and lifestyle or therefore you're homophobic or you're, and they put labels on you. So we're, we're going to talk about sexuality this morning, not just homosexual, whether it's right or wrong. And, and we're going to talk about sexuality, God's intention when he made human beings. So let's go to Genesis 1 verse 26. This is the creation story, starting in verse 1, God created the heavens and earth, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, let them rule 
over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock over all the earth, over all creation, and move, that moves along the ground. So let's start there with, you know, there's a creator who has a design and a purpose and an intention. He, he, has, he has the right. You say, who is God to tell us how to live? He's the creator. That's who he is. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, you're, when your kid looks up at you and says, who are you to tell me how to live? And you say, well, I'm your dad. And you live in my home. And if you're going to live in my home, this is how you're going to live. Well, I don't want to live that way. Then go live somewhere else. And it's that simple. And I had to do that. I, put my, I had one daughter went in and out of the home five or seven times. And every time was a disastrous tearing. I'm going to go live in a truck up in New York and be a prostitute. How would you like that weighing on you when you tell your daughter you're out of the house? Because you're destroying your mom right now because they're worrying about you. You've got to have order in your home. And, and, and so there, there, there are guidelines in, in, in my home. Uh, and, and God has a home. It's called earth. And he made creatures and he has guidelines. Who is he to do that? The creator. Now, parents can often say this. I brought you into the world and I can take you out of the world. That's not a good thing to say nowadays. You probably get your kid will call Johnny Cochran and get you in jail. So, but God can say, I brought you into the world and I can take you out of the world. And he can, and he does. So God starts with, you come from me. Now, the next step, it's not just me singularly. We are monotheistic people. We believe in one God, but he's revealed himself in a trinity of, of personalities. He's not, he's not uh, uh, what's it when you get born one personality? Uh, he's not schizophrenic. He's one God. He's the Father, he's the Son, and he's the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to get off on the Trinity, but it's important when he says, let us make man in our image, it's important to recognize that God's design is after himself. When he makes humans, he makes them in his image. Now, that's not so much physical, but our attributes physically, have God has those attributes, our sight. He gives us eyes to see. God doesn't literally need eyes to know everything. But he, 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 we, we resemble his characteristics, not exactly, but we were made in his likeness. The baboons were not made in his likeness. The, 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 the giraffes were not made in his likeness. The, 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 the zebras were not made in his likeness. He, they were made by him, and he loves them, and they're good, but they don't reflect him and, and, and a being of rational uh, design, a beings of creativity, uh, people of... We were designed be like him so that we could be close to him. The purpose of his design is he, A, he likes who he is. God's good. And if God says he's going to make you like me, he made you good. And then he made you to be with him. And that was the point of creation. He wasn't lonely, but he's like, I want to share. I want to share with, with what we have, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, their community. I want to share with others. So he makes, now don't miss this, 
Don't miss this. He says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. Don't just put a period there. There's a comma. Some of you that are Baptist background, let me just say it. Or hardcore evangelical complementarians, if you even know what that means. There's no period after he made man. Man is a generic humans. He made man in his image, both male and female. He created them. So you can't, there are, there's teachings that man is the image of God, but women are the image of men. And it's a total contradiction of the design of God. God designed the sexes. So you start with sexuality as number one, it's created by God. If you're a man, it's because he made you a man. And if you're a woman, it's because he made you a woman. It's, it's his design. If he wanted two men to reflect his image, he would have made two men, and that's all they would have ever been. If he just made two atoms that both were male, then you have a duplicate with no difference and no ability to duplicate themselves, no ability to reproduce. So he made a man and he made a woman and it takes a man and a woman. That's why I love pastoring with my wife. And you that went to the ladies retreat, you got in on the gift of that. You got in the, on the gift of Pastor Kim, who she is in this church, what she represents. I pastored many years with her as just my wife. Which was, so men, a lot of leaders do it that way. That make me, but it, 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 we lacked, I lacked the other dimension of the wiring, the makeup, the, the difference that she made. In our world today, the attempt is to neutralize, to remove, and to subtract sexuality and sexual differences. It, that it's a, a choice not a creation, that it's a, it's a feeling, not a biological difference, that, 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 that they want to blur the differences between men and women because if they do, what, what some of them originally were after is trying to help women feel on a, on a level of equality with men. You don't do that by destroying, dissolving, and removing our differences. That's ludicrous because a woman is not less than a man and needs to remove the differences to be equal to a man. A woman is better than a man at being a woman. And a man's better at a woman at being a man. But we've been made equal in the sight of God and our church takes the egalitarian view of man and woman. Now some teach that our sexuality is defined by our roles. Thus women stay at home and men go to work. But the Bible doesn't teach that. There are distinctives in roles, but it's based on gifting, personality, circumstances. You're going to tell, I, I remember the, 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 the king of England was uh, the Duke of, of Edinburgh. And when his, his bride became queen, and they said, you, she's not going to keep your last name. And he says, I'm only an amoeba. I have no purpose in life. But he found his purpose in that she's both my wife and my queen. And he accepted his role that she ruled in the United Kingdom 
and she was his queen as well as his wife. There's a lot there, and I, I'll work on that with marriage in a little bit. But when you define sexuality by roles, which we did for many generations, is that a woman's place is in the home and a man's place is... A, now you're defining it in, a, in an artificial way. And it's not a biblical way. So some people, to try to have equality in the sexes, want to re remove all differences. And so we see that in our culture today where, you know, women want to be... Or men want to be able to go into women, women's bathrooms and, 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 and it's a blurring of the God designed us to be different. And there's, there's, there's accountability and responsibility to those differences. Uh, and, and you can say, well, Jamie, you're oversimplifying it. Well, you start with the simple, clear word of God, not with the complex, biological brokenness of the world that we're in. God says, I'm going to make a man and I'm going to make a woman. And the two together reflect who I am. So sexuality is part of being a man and part of being a woman. I have sexual desires. I have sexual abilities. My wife has sexual desires. God made Adam and Eve to, to have sex, and it was good, and it was God's creation. Uh, the, the world didn't invent it. So God says, I, I'm going to make man and woman in my image, male and female, and then he says, in verse 28, God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule. That's man and woman, equally ruling together. Now, this picture is a beautiful picture. It ends, uh, uh, it ends in chapter 2. Um, it ends, the, the, God goes back through the creation. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, he makes uh, the woman, which is a, a great story uh, in the Word, but we'll deal with that next week. But I want to end in chapter 2, verse 24. This is what Jesus quoted uh, in Matthew 19. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man, verse 25, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, the implication there is nakedness. There's some sense of purity about their souls and their being and their, 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 was, it was just, there was no necessary, clothes were not necessary. There was no shame. The, the, the implication is here is they got busy. They had, they had good loving. They were, they were transparent, not just in body, but there was nothing between them. There was no hiddenness. There was no uh, ulterior motives. They, they knew each other intimately, soul to soul. Now, all of that is pretty understandable to most of us. Then chapter 3 comes along, and it, it rocks everything. And sin enters the world. And, and, but you don't start with sin, you start with the original creation. God made one man and one woman to be joined together in marriage, period. That means you don't sleep together outside of marriage. A lot of you would love me to spend a lot more time on homosexuality than sleeping with other people outside of marriage. Because it's easy to be against sins that we don't like. It's hard to be equally against sins that we think are okay. You know how hard it is to pastor in a culture? It was much easier 30 years ago because there was culture that supported the convictions of the scriptures. Nowadays, I, 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 I've lived through all the changes. I'm, I haven't changed what I preach, but I've changed how I preach it. I used to preach against homosexuality with an arrogance 
and a meanness and, and bad names and, and it was condescending and, and, and it was just, it was wrong. And God dealt with me because when you understand what happens in Genesis 3, if you don't get Genesis 3, you'll never understand chapter 4 where one brother kills the other brother. Cain kills his brother Abel. What happened from the garden being naked and not, you know, with God and the cool of the day, blah, blah. What happened was Satan brought lies and destruction through them compromising, rebelling, and sinning. Now, sin has corrupted everything on the planet, including our sexuality. So if you don't start with anthropology biblically, and you try to answer the question about homosexuality or, or gay, lesbian, bisexual, transvestite, or you try to answer the question about premarital sex, or you try to answer the question about uh, 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 pornography or, or what's a pro... If you don't start with, we're corrupted beings, made in his image, deeply broken, deeply flawed at birth... Now, that affects everything. It, 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 it affects the reality that some people are born with propensities towards deviant behavior. Some people are born with uh, propensities to hurt animals. And, and they delight in, in, in mutilating and hurting animals. They have a propensity for that. It could come through the bloodline. Some people have a propensity towards pornography or propensity towards homosexuality or, or lesbianism and and there's a and they say well I was born that way and I'm not saying that there aren't people that are born with propensities towards behaviors that are contradictory to the Bible I mean you, some people are born with a propensity that want to hurt people propensities can be perverted and distorted and, and, and then you can add the home life and broken marriages. And you, you add, when you go back to Genesis and God says one man, one woman for life. God did that, not because he's an old fuddy-duddy, not because he's behind the times, but because he knows what comes with the alternatives. Pain. The reason God says I hate divorce doesn't mean he hates divorced people. It just means the effect, the ramifications, the destruction of tearing down the home has a ripple effect in not just the home and the family and the community, but the whole world. Why do you think marriage is so under attack in our world today? Because it's a foundation that communities are built upon. So when you come along and somebody says, well, I just, I have this, it's just, it's, I'm born this way. And so you have parents, and you all know it, you've watched the news, and I don't want to preach to the choir, but it's just, it's, 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 it's complete insanity what people are doing with children right now that, that identify as a boy and their girls, or identify as girls and their boys, and, and there are doctors that, that gladly want to rape the child with, with medicine, and rape out their hormones, or rape out their, to start, rape them, and, and do surgeries, and it just, and, and where we are in our culture is from Genesis is three. It's, it's a broken world that's trying to define sexuality without any moorings, without any, it's kind of like, if it feels good, do it. If you love it, I'll never forget, it was a local sports star that went off the deep end and he raped his girlfriend, raped her. And when they 
questioned him on it. He said, how could it be rape if I loved her? That's what happens in the world that we're in. How can it be wrong if it feels right? See, I'm going to give you some hard truth against some really easy lies this morning. There are easy lies out there. There are easy lies about sexuality that sex is like, in our culture, is like here. It's here, and your person is here. So that's why pornography is not a big deal in many people's minds, because that's over here, and I'm here. I'm not really hurting anybody, but you're destroying the way God made you. It's a, it's a temptation, both men and women, but primarily men, that we live in a culture that is just, it's landmines and booby traps and, and no pun intended, but they're, they're just every, every kind of trap you could find. And, you know, I've, I've fallen into them. I know what it is. It's, 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 and it's destructive in your soul. It's destructive in your marriage. And for those not married, it doesn't mean it's destructive for who you're going to marry. It's destructive in your view of how you see women, how you view sexuality. It's destructive. Jamie, would you talk more about the homosexuals and get off the pornography? Because, I, you know, I, I, I'm against gays. But, you know, watching the, you know, every man, it's just a man's man. No, it's perverted. It's wrong. And God says, you're made in my image. You're better than that. That's what being in his image, it calls us to a different life. Not to what feels good, not to what serves me, or promiscuity. It's broken sexuality. The Bible says, marry the woman or don't sleep with her. Period. Now, you can argue with me all day long. You say, that's old school. Nobody does it. I get it that it's a rampant in our culture with our young adults and teens, and not just that, divorcee, people just sleep around as though there's no effect to that and there's no consequences to that. And it's wrong. Now, is that hard to hear? Yeah, if you're living that way. So is it hard to hear that if you love someone that's of the same sex, it's wrong. Now, God still loves you. God cares about you. We welcome people in this church and, and their brokenness. We, we take people where we find them, but by the grace of God, we don't leave them there. And we have hard, we have hard conversations. See, lies are easy. Truth is hard. It's painful. When you love somebody and it's wrong, you've got emotions, affections, and feelings. If you love someone of the opposite sex, and they're somebody else's spouse, it's called adultery. And it's wrong. It doesn't matter what it feels like. If you love someone of the same sex, it's wrong. It doesn't matter whether it feels good. You say, well, why would I have those feelings? Maybe that's just the way God made me. So now we blame God for our brokenness. We blame God for our sin. And we live in a world where so churches have said, Okay, we, we just welcome people, we love people, and that's just your choice. Now we no longer have a message of redemption. No longer do we call people to repentance. No longer is there hope that God can change. The Literally, churches are paranoid to pray over someone that would be homosexual and say, you can get free from that. They've given up on it. 
I literally heard a huge speaker one time just literally take every bit of faith, every bit of, 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 of desire to help someone get out of a lifestyle that's not what God intends. Killed all the faith. Don't, they can't change. My wife and I have seen lesbians come out of that lifestyle and come into a, heter, heteros, a, 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 a normal, God-designed relationship. We've seen men that were this close to having a sex change come out of it and are now married and live it. It's a lie that the world wants to sow that's, that's just the way. Now, I get it. There are gay people that love Jesus, but they can't sleep with other people and call Jesus Lord. So you may still have gayness and you may be homosexual and you choose not to be in a, a heterosexual relationship, you're going to be celibate if you're going to walk with Jesus. That's not my word. Jesus doesn't say, oh, bless your little heart. I get it that you, no, I'm, I know that that's a hard thing. People love other people. I have people in this church that have children that are homosexuals. It's, it's hard. I, I'm proud of some of them have, they've walked that balance between I don't agree with your lifestyle. I don't think the Bible agrees with your lifestyle. I think God has better things in your life, but I still love you. That's a hard line to come. Someone would ask, Jamie, would you perform a marriage for uh, uh, two men or two women? The answer is no, because it's not a marriage. It may be a civil contract, but it's not a sacred marriage. You can't marry something that God doesn't bless. I can't marry two married people. That's called adultery. And I've had people try to get me to do that. I can't lay hands on someone and say, and I now pronounce you husband and wife, what God has joined together, let nobody put us under. I can't say that because it's two married people. So it's not, we're not just segmenting the gay population and say, well, we won't put hands on, get, no, I'm not gonna put hands on anybody that God's not gonna put hands on to. That's not my place to do that. I can't take God's place. And I get it that it's hard. I, I, I'm, I, 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 I'm not here today saying for those of you that have family members that it's, that it's easy because you have the all of culture says, accept it, celebrate it, God likes it. And there are churches that have turned that way. And more and more, you're gonna see that in the days ahead. Because it's a tirade of, of, of political joined in with the, 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 the perversion of what God says. Marriage will become much and much less valued in our culture. So what am I saying today? I'm saying God made you a man if, he, if you're a man. Now you can try to drug yourself, surgery yourself, and try to become a woman, but that's not what God designed you. I love the scriptures in Psalm 139. I'm, kinda, I'm gonna land the plane on this. Psalm 139 is a, is a powerful psalm about just the greatness of God, his intricacies in our life. And uh, it's a, it, I, I can't read it all, but in verse 13, the da King David says, for you have created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Now, let's start there with our theology. In the beginning, God created the man and the woman. In your womb, God knits you 
together. Now I get it. There's complications. What do you do with, you know, people that are special needs and, uh, you know, and you know, we, again, you go back to Genesis three, we live in a broken, fallen world. It's been infected. It's not the way God meant it to be. And it affects physical things as well. But, but in general, God knits people together, male. He designed me in my mother's womb with male chromosomes, not female. And he made my wife with female. It's, it's in our DNA. And, and it's how I was knit together. And then he says, verse 14, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, which is another way of referring to a woman's womb, the hiddenness. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me are written in your book before one of them came to be. So, so here's the deal. Have you accepted your sexuality as a gift from God? If he made you a man, then you accept that. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a married man. You could be single. But it means you must be celibate. So here's your choice. If you're a single man and you want sex, get married. Well, why buy the cow when the milk's free? So you women, if you want sex, don't give it until you get a covenant. That's called marriage. So, well, we love each other and we've made a commitment before God with each other. It's just a piece of paper. I could cuss. I've had that literally thrown in my face. Could you talk about the homosexuals a little more, Jamie? Could you talk about them? <laughs> I was all ready to do some gay bashing, but, but you're meddling with my sex life. No, God is, because he has better things. He has boundaries because he wants blessings in your life, not pain and brokenness. And so if he made you a man that you don't desire sex with a woman, then God may have called you to a celibacy. So that doesn't mean you're a, a gay. It just means you're to be single. And some of my heroes, uh, Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest that was a closet homosexual, but he knew it was wrong. And when he had failures, he repented, and he remained a celibate, and he never married. And, and I, that's commendable. And, and God gives those gifts. There's nothing wrong with a single person staying single. But people that say, oh, I don't need to be married, but you're sleeping around, you need to be married. You need a wife. It's more than sex, but you need a wife. So if you're a female, don't, don't lower yourself and try to be like a man. Be a female. Celebrate the differences. You're equal with God. You're equal with a man. You don't have to rule over a man to be equal to him. You don't have to dominate a man to be equal to him. And men can't, and we'll talk more about that next week. I sound like that one lady. We're going to circle back around and we'll get back to that. So I may never get back to it. It's just a cop out to get through it. Wow. We're going to come back to that. How many times has he said that, Martha? He said that 19 times. He'll speak for four hours next week. I'm not coming. Here's the deal. Not only did God create you who you are, but when you get saved, we baptize your sexual organs. And one of the main ones is your brain. You were thinking other things, weren't you? So 
when I let evil thoughts in my mind and give in and watch things, I'm, I'm, I'm telling Jesus that he's not Lord of my thought life. He's not Lord of my, my desires. He's not Lord. If I'm not yielding, if, if I'm not protecting my sexuality with boundaries of covenant commitment, then I'm telling him he's not Lord of my sexuality. If I'm telling God I'm a, I'm, I want another man and I'm a man, then you haven't given him your sexuality. He wants you to love him more than anybody else that you think you want to love. And when you start there, and that's not easy, start with God, I've got to love you more than what I desire. Because there are things that we desire that are wrong, even if it feels right. There are things you want that are off limits. And God says no. But you can pull ahead and you'll suffer the consequences that Adam and Eve did and what other people have been doing throughout ages is that you can violate God's pattern and design. You can violate it and you can be independent and you can do your own way and you can choose your own sexuality. And God gives you that liberty to do that. It's a scary liberty because with it comes all the consequences that come with rebellion, disobedience, and sin. And there are consequences. So does God love homosexuals? Absolutely. Does he love heterosexuals that are sleeping with each other? Yes, outside of marriage. Does he love those that are committing adultery in their heart with pornography and lusting after other women? Yes. But loving somebody doesn't equal approving of their behavior. And does he love us enough to help us see that that's unhealthy and unholy? Yes. And it's painful. It's embarrassing. And you catch yourself thinking, I, I knew better. But you let desires that are corrupted corrupt you instead of being accountable for those desires and choices. So are we free to choose? That's what America, that's, that's the, the mantra. Women are free to choose. It's my body. God's knitting a baby together in there, but it's my body. No, it's not your body. It's God's. And that's God's baby in there. And you're God's creation made in his image. And God's image doesn't do those things. And so it starts with knowing who you are. And have you given God your sexuality? It's a gift. Now, again, you don't have to define your future right now but you have to have some healthy boundaries. I've got to give this talk in the next service. We're going to have the middle schoolers in here. Do you know what a broken world they're living in right now? I never knew a homosexual until I got to high school a senior year. I'd never been around a homosexual. I didn't know what gay life was. I didn't have people on TV and heroes and movie stars. I didn't have people that were models of unhealthiness. I didn't have actors that are going from one woman to, I mean, it was a different culture. It supported more of what the Bible taught. So what do we do now? Do we panic and give up and follow the culture? Some churches have, and they end up with no message. What's your message to someone that's sleeping with another woman? Oh, it doesn't matter. God just loves you. Do what you want. What, what does you tell to a homosexual that says, I love this man? And we're, we're partners. What, is God, what do you tell them? Is it okay? Well, that must be the way it is. That's the way you feel. 
What do you tell them? What do you tell the person that's addicted to pornography? Well, you know, everybody has desires as long as you don't hurt anybody. Just keep it. You're destroying your soul and destroying your marriage. What do you do with a married woman that wants to be with another man that's not her husband? Well, you know, we said, you just, just follow your heart. Do you know, my God, how insane it is to tell someone to follow their heart? It'll send you to hell. Your heart is not wanting to follow Jesus. Your heart doesn't say, let me just put to death the desires in me that dishonor God. Your heart says, do what you want to do. Who can tell you what to do? I'm my own boss. I'm an individual. I've got rights. I live in America. Would you talk more about the homosexuals, Jamie? Would you talk more about them? I was hoping you'd bash on them a little bit. No, I'm going to bash on all of us. We're all guilty. So the next time you look at someone in a broken lifestyle, no, look in the mirror first. No, you're broken. Think of your own sin. You may not have had homosexual sin, but you've had heterosexual sin. You've had fantasy sin. You've had sin of perversion of, 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 of viewing women as, as sex objects. And, and, and we, we are broken people. And I don't trust the compass of my desires. I have to trust in the Holy Spirit to lead into God. Let's pray together. And by the way, I'm going to pray here. This is not the end of the service. So do not get up and walk out until we close the service. I'm just going to ask you kindly, because it's a tender moment at the end. We're going to sing a last song. If your bladder's going to burst, you can go to the bathroom. But 30 people got up last week at the end of the message when I was making a call to Jesus. It was rude. It was wrong. Don't do it again. You can control your bladder. If you can't, get up now before I make a call because it's disruptive. So well, I'm sorry, Pastor. You ought to be. You should be praying right now for people that are going to make a commitment, whether it's to come to Jesus or to make a commitment to surrender their sexuality to Jesus. Same difference. Lord, thank you for challenging us with hard truth. We don't want to live in soft lies that accommodate our lifestyles. Lord, your truth is troubling at times. It's painful. Lord, uh, I've, I've failed and sinned and know what it is to be broken before you, God. And, and so we pray for our friends that are struggling with their sexuality and their, their brokenness. Lord, their hurt, their pain, their rejection, whatever whatever brought them to it, or just feeling they were born with that propensity. Lord, we just, we want to come right now and say, Father, first of all, if you're not Lord of our lives, it doesn't matter, in essence, what we are doing. If we haven't made that surrender to you, that, that we can truly say, Jesus, we want your will in our lives, not our own. That's what it means to make him Lord. If you're here this morning, I don't care how long you can't give God your sexuality till you give him your heart your soul and your body with that will come your sexuality but if you're here or online and maybe you're a Christ follower but you just haven't yielded your sexuality to Jesus it's just like coming to Jesus all over again you bring him your sexuality Jesus I don't want to create my own world I don't want to create my own identity 
I want to find it in you, Jesus. I want to find it as being in your image. I don't want it in my own passions. Ask Jesus to take your heart, mind, and soul, and sexuality. You're all his. He bought you when you got baptized. If you haven't been baptized, then plan on it. But it's, it's all in. He wants to be part of your sex life as well as your thought life as well as your hobbies and your your pleasures he's the lord so invite him in he's not trying to ruin your party he's not trying to dampen your he's trying to protect you and others from you harming them and being harmed so where you've harmed others and been ask god to forgive you right now come jesus come jesus